folks to Make Mind Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm Kevin. With me, as usual, is Nick. Hello. Sorry, hey. my, my phone went off right when I unmuted. <laughs> I put it on Mexican mute. text messages. Because I'm popular. He's popular. <laughs> uh, uh, I would love to see Wicked. That would be fun. Um, anyway, uh, Jess is not with us again this episode, but we'll absolutely be back uh, next month got a lot going on and in all our lives at the moment but this is our regular may 2019 episode where we will be talking about all things uh marvel news marvel comics uh we'll review a number of issues talk about some of the biggest marvel news and other things if you're coming to us from apple podcasts stitcher soundcloud um carrier pigeon what have you uh rate us review us we'd love to hear from you and then head on over to multiversitycomics.com where we're hosted. Multiversity Comics is your home for all things comic related news, reviews, think pieces, and a ton of other fun podcasts and material that you should check out at your own leisure. Uh, we had an episode a few weeks ago where we talked about Avengers Endgame. Uh, so you can seek that out um, as you will. But this is back to our regular May 2019 episode. So for the first part of this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some Marvel news that came out recently. We talked about some of the um, some news and stuff that that came out uh, in our in our last episode that covered about everything through the end of April. But we're going to be talking about Marvel's news for this the first part of May, and we'll be reviewing some issues from April and May as last month we. Uh, had a little bit of uh, a weird month and 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 just talked about War of the Realms at the beginning of the month. So so the things that we're going to be covering are are some April and May stuff, and we'll get to that in the second part of the episode, uh, and partly and partly in this part of the episode. So uh, first things first, we're going to talk about some news pieces, and then we're going to review some issues, and then we're going to take a break, uh, and you'll hear from some other multiversity peoples. Um, but yeah, so cool. So Nick, you ready? You doing all right? Your phone's on mute? My phone is on mutant. Oh, man, I am ready. Phone is on mutant. Oh, man. Very punny. Not yet. Not yet. After the break. No. Okay. 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 Uh, Have you seen the, like, the the dark... Have you watched any of those, like, Dark Phoenix trailers recently? I keep seeing them Um, on Twitter. There was one... laughing at them. There was one before Endgame. And my mom is okay. so excited to go see that movie. I don't understand why, but she keeps saying Dark Phoenix as if it means something to her. It does. It means Dark Phoenix. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. I I just am like, I don't think I ever saw Apocalypse. And I just am kind of, like, yeah. I don't know why this movie's still coming out if, if Disney owns everyone now. I watched the first five minutes of Apocalypse and I was like, no thanks. But I did love First Class, so... You know, first class was good. Yeah, Days of Future Past was good. I think um, Apocalypse because that's like Oscar Isaac. That's Apocalypse, right? Mm, I have no idea. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I thought it was because then I, and then like they made him not pretty anymore, and it's sad because he's Apocalypse. That would make sense. Yeah, if there's yeah. one person that you want to make not pretty to be Apocalypse, I'd pick Oscar Isaac. Oh, I wouldn't. There's a number of other people that are. Anyway. Uh, all right. All right. So, so news things. Um, so first off, uh, Marvel's biggest news, sort of, biggest is relative, uh, of the last few weeks. They teased it for a, for a couple days. If you're um, being literal, it's the biggest. 
Sure. Yeah. 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 The biggest ever. Yeah. Um, Marvel teased for a few days, uh, and in their comics, um, uh, like a, a week or so ago, a number of, of creative teams and, that were teased for August 2019. You might have seen them on Twitter. There are these big red letters on this sort of like blue background or whatever, and they had all these different creative teams. Marvel has announced that in the midst of celebrating their uh, 80th anniversary, that they will be publishing an 80-page um, comic, or at least a, uh, 80 pages of story, comic called Marvel Comics 1000. Uh, and it will feature uh, 80 different creative teams that are telling one story um, per page across the 80 years that Marvel Comics has been in existence. So a number, uh, so Al Ewing, uh, Al Ewing, writer Al Ewing is going to be kind of writing this like through line story throughout the whole thing. And it's going to focus on this sort of artifact in the Marvel universe called the eternity mask that we've never heard of. Um, and it's going to feature uh, a lot of sort of uh, cool people and cool creative teams. So some highlights, uh, some people that have uh, never uh, written for Marvel Comics, Marvel Comics for and aren't really comic book writers, but are like Marvel adjacent and have done cool Marvel-y things. So some highlights of some people that are going to be doing things uh, that are either new or haven't done Marvel things in a while. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Raymond uh, 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 Obsfeld and Mattia De Ulis are one of the creative teams. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the basketball player. Uh, Kurt Busick and Cameron Stewart are doing a page. Kelly Sudeconic and David Lopez from uh from uh the captain uh, like uh, carol's like first fun captain marvel run uh phil lord christopher miller and javier rodriguez so phil lord and christopher miller the the main people behind spider-man and the spider-verse and lego batman um alan heinberg and jim chung are doing a story they're the main young avengers peoples from the first young avengers run and then other people who have been announced to be a part of the issue but are not attached to creative teams yet or um or we don't know exactly what they're gonna be doing uh neil gaiman christopher priest rob liefeld the works you can check out all those names at your leisure um would like to note that so they're saying 1000 is sort of this um anniversary kind of celebratory thing uh because marvel comics number one was published in 1939 uh 80 years ago um but if marvel comics number one were to have stayed in print because it's only ever published like a uh, hundred or so issues, 150 or so issues. If it were to have stayed in print from 1939 until now, if it had continuously been in print, it would not be at a thousand issues like action comics and detective comics got to a thousand issues by this year because they published some weekly things and some biweekly things. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a mess, but Nick, what do you think about Marvel comics? 1000. I'm looking forward to it. It is pretty stupid that they named it number 1000 because it really makes it seem like they're just trying to do what DC did for good reason. Like DC had a good reason to do this. Marvel is like, we just want in on this also. Um, And I think it's kind of funny that CB Cebulski, there's a lot that's funny about this. Um, It's funny that the whole thing is hilarious. It, honestly, yes. Um, the way that they released the information was just so just misguided. Melodramatic. Melodramatic, but I think more misguided because 
it led to so many people thinking like, what is this big thing? All these people are going to be on a book each. Why are there 12 Al Ewing books? Why are there no women? Why are there no like people of color? And um, I loved all of the, the like bleeding cool and women write about comics where they were like using yeah. Al Ewing as like a measurement. The, yeah, um, that was funny. Those but are I, good. I think it obviously makes a lot more sense when everyone's doing one page each and Al Ewing is doing a framing story. At a certain point, I was like, that's probably what's going to happen. But it, it, it was just a misguided marketing technique, I think, because it opened them up to that sort of criticism. Um, so that was really funny. Uh, the other funny thing, yeah, the number 1000, there's no reason for it other than DC did it. Now we want to, um, yeah, I and the thing that I find the best is that C.B. Sibulski is planning this because he wants to sell a million issues of a comic again. And yeah, that is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, number one, that's not going to happen. Number two, uh, I mean, I don't mean to, you know, like never say never. Like you can do whatever you put oh, your mind you to. Just, but, did you watch that Justin Bieber movie too? Never say never. Oh, I, I saw part of Never Stop Never Stopping. <laughs> oh, that's a good the pop is the best. Oh, we need to watch Popstar. We? Oh. We I just uh the like <laughs> there's the songs that are we we could yeah, like you know, we could we like like make a joke about Patreon content and say we're gonna go watch Popstar or whatever. But that would be stealing a joke from another show. We don't wanna do that. I don't I'm 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 unashamed. Uh <laughs> it's fine. Um yeah, no, because there's like there. You see, if you have time, if you have time, when we, when we get done with this, go on YouTube and like Google like the the pop star songs that are not uh, like on pop star, like that didn't get in the movie. Because there's this one, uh, and it's called "Fuck Off," and it's really really funny. But anyway, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole. Anyway, good tension. Um, yeah, yeah. Marvel Comics number one thousand. I'll read it. I'll probably buy it. Uh, <laughs> That was not a piracy joke. That was a joke about we get review copies. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of people are going to read it. It's I think it's going to be the same thing as the like DC 1000 issues. Uh, but because of that, I also don't think that it's going to sell a million copies. I just, the market, the way that it is right now, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, and Marvel might try to put out like, retailer incentives but even those i feel the retailers are so used to the way that they work that they're not going to fall for that sort of trick and it's also just a number in cb sibulski's brain like it doesn't actually mean anything so yeah i think that's all the thoughts i have on the issue actually yeah some of the creators are super cool the phil lord chris miller and Javier Rodriguez, that page is going to yeah. be awesome. I wish that was a yeah. whole book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was in the Unstoppable Wasp issue, and I saw that and I was like, oh, cool, they're getting a book. Uh, and I was like, that's going to be dope. And I, then I was like, why is Javier not Rodriguez? Is he not going to finish that history of the Marvel Universe thing? And I'm like, I really don't mm-hmm. care. Like, whatever. Like, if if he gets to draw a cool book with these other people who I like, like their movies that they've made so be it um but then mm-hmm. it was just like oh it's a page um oh their page yeah, is probably I, gonna be about miles now that i think about it oh maybe probably probably yeah yeah, yeah. huh okay 
Yeah, like that was the other, like thinking about like who's going to be doing what pages and kind of knowing who's going to be doing what pages and like what people are kind of like what era of comics and things like that's sort of interesting. Yeah, um, I think the only way that this thing is going to sell a million copies is if they sell it for like a dollar or like two dollars or something. And I don't Even think that, that Marvel. Yeah. Like the, I don't think they're capable of doing that. <laughs> yes, they're not capable of doing it. But like free comic book day issues, I mean, we just mm. had the the free two twenty pagers that were both free, so that's like forty pages total. This is eighty, and if I do that for a dollar or two, but the, I mean, they're clearly not going to. So, <laughs> yeah, like they would they would have to give this comic away for it to sell a million copies, and I'm pretty sure they're going to sell it for like nine ninety nine or something something absurd like that um i can't see them selling it for anything less than like 5.99 um which is like which is fine and they'll probably you know do a lot of incentives and this that and the other um but it's not going to sell a million copies and it is just like it's i think it's a fine idea um and fun and like fun that there are these creators that are coming back to marvel that haven't done like marvel work in a really long time like like j michael straczynski is coming back to do a page um like that's cool uh like that's all fine and dandy i was just like laughing the amount of people that were and like kind of myself too like the amount of people like they were getting really worked up that marvel was going to relaunch again in in august and like thinking like trying to figure out what books all the like first round of creative team of people were going to be on and the first round of teasers that they released that were in like their comic issues uh for the second week of may um like there weren't any women at all in the first round and there were like barely any women in the second round and people were yeah, are rightfully I, mad about that. I didn't mean to like talk down that because I think that's a valid criticism. I just think it, it ties well into the point I was making about it just being a bad way to release the information. Um, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. And people are right to complain about that. Um, yeah, I, but the lineup is pretty much mar like people who are currently working on marvel books and then a few celebrity like guest appearances and then some past creators who were pretty much all white men so yeah 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 so it it makes sense that this is what the lineup would be not that that makes it okay or good but it's it's just an extension of their current line and I don't think that you can get mad at this lineup without also getting mad at the current state of Marvel. Sure. Sure. No, I totally agree with that. Um, it is like interesting that like there are a number of women that are writing for them right now that are just kind of like noticeably, noticeably absent, like, like Leah Williams and like Shauna McGuire and um, some of those other women that are doing like the, the X books or something like the, the um, like smaller books are not really part of like Eve Ewing's on there with Jim Bartel. Um, which is cool. I think they're the only creative team that they're both women. Um, but you're right. Like it is like a reflection of like the current lineup at Marvel and like the historic, you know, some of the historic stuff. Although like, like yes and no. Cause like there are women that like have written for Marvel that also like didn't get reinvited to do this. Like, like Louis mm-hmm. Simonson and, and some others. Um, and, but yeah, like Anne Nocenti, she's still working yeah. today. But still, there's the vast majority of people who have worked at Marvel are white men, and that's right. still the case today. So 
I think this lineup is just a reflection of that. Right, right, right. No, I, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I just think it's odd that they picked like one thousand, like one thousand. Like, why call this Marvel Comics one thousand? <laughs> because DC did it, so they want to. I also. know that's the only reason. <laughs> but like, you could have called it like 80th anniversary or like Marvel Comics anniversary special, or yeah. like. Like you, you could have done it like like Marvel Comics, like like a million or something, or like Marvel Comics, like I don't, like I, don't I mean, know. yeah, like all the if you say anniversary, that's probably not going to have as big of a, it's not going to be as much of a selling point, um, because they put Maybe. out anniversary stuff all the time, <laughs> like they they put out a bunch of books like that already in there. It's yeah. Planned. Um, I feel like there was like a way to like play on the fact that it's going to be 80 pages though. And like tell 80 years of story, like in one, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, also I don't think they want to say a million because number one, that's just even stupider. And yeah. number two, DC had the one DC million did. event. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a totally different thing. And that's yeah. the only time the number 1 million has really been used as a number of a comic. Mhm. 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 Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um I mean I think it's I think it's a wonderful idea. I think it I would feel less sour about it if if it was like if it was like more sort of like celebratory and less sort of like we're trying to ape the action a thousand and detective 1000 and do it better and i do agree that like this is a way better version of what those comics were because having read uh, tech 1000 and action 1000 action 1000 was good tech 1000 was like not a great anthology at all Um, yeah yeah it's i mean that's the thing with anthologies which this is really interesting i'm really curious to see how this is going to work out Um, yeah because there's the potential to be like really really good and like really, well, really fun and really, really celebratory. I mean, so does any anthology, but this one, I just think of the logistics involved of trying to create one story with 80 different creative teams. That's pretty insane. It could be a really cool experiment, like either way. And I think no matter what, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in a way that action and detective were not but yeah yeah like that's like this is an experiment and like those were just sort of like let's get some people together mm -hmm. um yeah so like whether it's really good or really bad it doesn't really matter because it's gonna be really interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree with that so anyway marvel comics a thousand august 2019 uh we'll more than likely talk about it here so you'll be hearing more about it in the future uh, moving along, related to this sort of announced right before Marvel Comics 1000, uh, Patrick Gleason, a former DC writer and artist, is making the jump to Marvel as a new exclusive uh, writer and artist. He will be he will have a one-page story, him himself writing and drawing in Marvel Comics 1000. And his first main big gig at Marvel going forward is he is taking over for Umberto Ramos uh, on Amazing Spider-Man as the new main artist switching off arcs with Ryan Otley. Uh, Gleason did a number of really, really fun things at DC. Him and Peter uh, Peter Tomasi were frequent collaborators, so he's done a lot of work on 
books like Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, and uh, he just did a, a run with on with Tomasi on Superman. They did Batman and Robin together, and recently he was working with Bendis when Bendis came back over to the company on Action Comics and then on Young Justice. Um, I really like really really like Patrick Gleason. Like I really like Patrick Gleason's art um, mm-hmm. a lot, and I was I was really digging him on Young Justice. And so this kind of came out of the blue. It was announced at Dallas Comic Con a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, Nick, what do you think about about Gleason coming over to to Marvel? Gleason, everything. I think everything that he's done, like from his work on Green Lantern Corps, that was some of the first like comics that I read as they were coming out. And yeah, I, I, I've loved his art since then. And it has been just as good (laughs) over the last 10 years. Uh, It's a, he's, he's such a great artist, man. He's, he's wonderful. I, I love every book that he did with Tomasi uh, yeah, Green Lantern Corps, Batman, Robin, and Superman. Any issue of those that he was an artist on, which was like all of the first two and like maybe a half or a third of Superman. But that was all, I think, some of the best DC comics of the last 10 years. So... Sure, yeah. Yeah, and even when he did stuff with other creators, like uh, like Young Justice was really interesting. Although his style has mm-hmm. been changing recently. Um that is also interesting. And I wonder, sorry, I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent, but I'll finish that thought. Uh, when he did stuff on his own as a writer, um, which was after Batman and Robin ended, he did a series just about Damien and it was Robin. Yeah. Robin. Yeah. 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 Um, it, his issues where he was writer and artist, like were very good. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with Marvel. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the arcs yeah. on Superman that he... Because um, I interviewed him at C2E2 last year, and he talked about... Because him and Tomasi, like, plotted, and then he wrote, like, scripted some of the issues of Superman with them mm-hmm. together. And the arcs that he did, uh, like, the, the Boys Arrow arc, the the last one, and I think, like, the the first arc, and one of the ones in the middle, like, the ones that, like, that Gleason himself were drawing or were, were was writing like scripting i think were like the better arcs of that book okay that's cool yeah so I- i'm curious when he comes to marvel if he's also going to take his inkers and colorist because those can make his art look very different I- it's oh, yeah. going to be just as good like structurally but i think the overall look might change a little based on that mm-hmm. who who was the? I guess who was his main ink? Like Jamie Mendoza, right? Was his main inker, and then oh. I forget who was coloring him. I don't know if it was San- Alejandro Sanchez or not. I know Sanchez I, I was coloring was, him on Young Justice. Yeah, I think Sanchez did the coloring on uh, on Superman. Okay, but Mick Gray, I think, is his Mick usual. Mick Gray, that's right, Mick Gray. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. His usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mendoza is Mendoza is is Monkey's usual inker. I think mm. maybe, I don't mm-hmm. know. And, and Christian LMA. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what know. do you think? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. So, so it was funny cause this was like announced right after, um, uh, DC swiped, uh, David Marquez. I don't know if you saw that, the David Marquez signed an exclusive, um, artist deal with DC 
and he's going to be starting uh, a book with Josh Williamson. He's going to be on Batman Superman beginning in August. And and Marquez, uh, you know, frequent Bendis collaborator, did Civil War II and then has been doing Avengers stuff um, and some other big things um, the past few years. And so it's going over to DC now. going to be covered colored by Dave Stewart. Not so not a usual Marvel person being colored. You know, he's going to be colored by a different person over on Batman, Batman and Superman. Um, so I'd imagine, I guess like the like Gleason will probably get he'll his style will change a little bit. Cause he'll, the Marvel sort of people will, will start working on his stuff. Um, it's just interesting that they kind of like traded people in some way. Like they traded some of their like big guns for, um, for one another. Um, but I think it's like, I think it's cool. Like it, like, you know, Gleason's had a successful career at DC, and it sounds like Marvel game came to him and said, like, we'll let you write some stuff and like, we'll let you draw Spider-Man, which I would imagine is most like big two artists dream is to draw Spider-Man. Um, and yeah, like that's, that's great. Yeah. I'm thinking about how his art would fit into different Marvel books. And I think Spider-Man is the perfect place to start him because I think he does really well with, more rounded character designs and just a youthful look without being juvenile. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not really, it can be very realistic, but also with stylized elements. And I think that's ideal for Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like he's a really good companion for Otley. Like I, I didn't even think about um, until until it was announced, but then I was thinking about like Otley's art and Gleason's art kind of side by side in there. Uh, other than like Otley's is a lot more sort of like it's, it's rounded, but he has like a lot more corners. Like when he draws faces and stuff, like there's like angles and, and stuff and Gleason draws a lot. Yeah. Like you were saying like more rounded faces and, and figures and things, but, um, but like kind of stylistically, they're pretty similar. And so like the, it fits uh, like it fits the sort of the mold for the, for the, the art style that the book has had since Nick Spitzer took over, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting. Um, and I haven't been keeping up with amazing Spider-Man as much. I'm a little bit behind and this is a reason to catch up. Cause I, I really like Lisa and would be excited for that. And I can't imagine that like he won't be here for like be at Marvel for a few years. He'll get to write and draw some stuff, which will be fun. He'll probably get to do Avengers things at one point which is also like probably another big thing that he'd be really excited about. And, and yeah, like, I think it's, it's cool. His style, since you mentioned Avengers, I think it fits right in with Ed McInnes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm curious who's like, is going to be trading off with McInnes for the most part. Now that uh, uh, Marquez is over, um, at DC cause, cause it was kind of him and, and McGinnis that were trading off on Avengers. Mm-hmm. So don't know who, who's going to be taken over, but we shall see. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so lastly, before we move it on, move on to talking about some books, uh, another big series that was announced uh, recently was a new future foundation book. Uh, and I'm going to let Nick talk about this a lot more because he's probably a lot more excited than, uh, than perhaps I am about this. Um, Are you not so excited? I am excited. I just <laughs> don't know much about the Future Foundation and like you like them a lot. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, so written by Jeremy Whitley, Unstoppable Wasp writer Jeremy Whitley, who I love. 
Uh, also, uh, in, uh, to note, Unstoppable Wasp will be canceled after issue 10 in uh, June or July, whichever one of those it is, which I'm very upset about and have a lot more feelings about. Uh, so written by Whitley, art by Will Robson. It'll start with uh, a backup story in Fantastic Four in July and then spin to its own title. Um, in August, the backup will tell the story about how uh, Julie Power will kind of get uh, added to the Future Foundation book because Julie is not where all the rest of the Future Foundation folks are. Um, but it's going to be all the Future Foundation folks uh, still sort of traveling and multiverse hopping um, like they were at the end of Secret Wars and where Dan Slott left them at the beginning of his Fantastic Four run. And they're trying to find all the the um, the pieces of, of Molecule Man because he was destroyed at the beginning of, of Dan Slott's run. And they'll get a, a new sort of leader or or supervisor with um, with Yondu, uh, uh, Udante, so the character uh, from the, the blue guy from Guardians of the Galaxy with the whistle arrow thing. Um, so yeah, so Nick, I'm going to turn it over to you because you have read more future foundation things than I have. Mm-hmm. So take it away. Yeah. I love them. We talked a little about it uh, either last episode or two episodes ago because they were getting a backup in the fantastic four book. And first off, I think that's a cool way to introduce a team. And <laughs> I think in the past it would have been more like that was the trial to see like if, if the, if they did well, but now it's more like they did it to prepare people for the, new ongoing or miniseries it's probably going to be an ongoing that lasts a very short amount of time but trying not to think about it trying to think positively because i really like the future foundation (laughs) uh in hickman's x or not x-men in hickman's fantastic four yeah they were constantly a highlight for me um and then i just started reading uh fractions ff and they're just so much fun. <laughs> they're they're a, a really strange group of characters, but that is exactly what makes them fun. And I think Jeremy Whitley, um, in the the original eight issue Unstoppable Wasp series that we read, um, like last year, uh, I think you can really see how he uh, he's able to work many different types of characters many different personalities and interests uh, especially of young people into one cohesive book Um, and that's ideal for the future foundation and i think it's a hard concept to get right and i think that's why they've only really appeared under hickman who created them and uh, uh fraction who like sort of used them as side characters in his run about the like replacement Fantastic Four team. Um, yeah. So, so is this their is this their second or third series that they've had that's been titled Future Foundation? Uh, there have been two that were both titled FF, and oh, this okay. is going to be yeah, this is going to be the third technically. Okay. Okay. But they weren't those weren't titled Future Foundation. They were titled FF. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, and the the first one was like more like a companion book to Hickman's Fantastic Four, so it didn't always focus on the Future Foundation. And the second one was a companion to Fraction's Fantastic Four, so it like equally uh, focused on this replacement team of Fantastic Four, and they were like side characters. So this is going to be the first time that they're really front and center in a book. Um, 
Okay. So, okay. yeah. So who is going to be the artist on this? Will Robson? Robson? Okay. I should have looked him up before. Don't know him by name. But uh, uh, as far as the roster goes, uh, from the image, I don't have it up, but from memory, I know Alex Power is still there. It's cool. Julie Power, I like that we're going to have two of the power pack. Um, I think that's going to be fun for the sibling dynamic. And also because Julie recently appeared in Runaways. Um, yeah, she was yeah. she was Carolina's or Carolina's girlfriend, right? Yep, and then it did yeah. not go well. <laughs> yeah, so I like that she's going to be there. Um, I think it looked like Bentley was on the cover, but it's interesting to me that Franklin and Valeria are not there. Um, mm-hmm. And they weren't there in the Fraction run. So I'm curious, because I feel like those characters sort of tied things down and uh, really brought things back to the heart of like Fantastic Four. Whereas now I feel like they're just another side team and they might get kind of lost. Um, right. Yeah. But otherwise, as far as the roster, it looks like they, they dropped, I think the fish people, which is fine because they never really had like real personalities. And then (laughs) same with the, the Moloids, there's only the one that's a floating head. Like if you're going to drop any Mm -hmm. Moloids, the one that you should keep is the one with the floating head. (laughs) Sure. Sure. So anyway, I'm excited for the book. I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings, and I hope that I continue to have those thoughts and feelings when it comes out. Yeah, that's exciting. So I'm looking at his at, at Robson's art right now because I'm like less familiar with them, um, and it looks like he uh, he's been so he's been doing Spider-Man Deadpool stuff right now, which I forgot that that book was even happening, and it like is about to I think just ended with with 50 issues, which is like <laughs> bonkers that that book made it to 50 issues. That's pretty crazy. Um, I know Ed McGinnis was doing the art on that at the beginning. I forget who was writing it. Uh, and it was like good. And I was, I was reading it for a while and then I got, um, sidetracked and stopped reading it. And then it just kind of like turned into like a weird, uh, sort of like Deadpool parody book that like kind of Spider-Man was also in. I, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how anything makes it to any number of issues and now or anything. Um, so he did that. He did, um, the, some of Humphrey's Star-Lord, and he was the main artist on on the the Great Lakes Avenger book in the Marvel Now 2.0. Um, so it looks he's like more sort of like cartoony um, ish, uh, yeah. very kind of kitty. Yeah, that so we'll, yeah, we'll probably be good for for a book like this. Yeah, like I'm excited. Uh, this is an excuse to. Um, finally read hickman's avengers and then the things that come after because uh i haven't done that yet and i i need to um i love right, jeremy Fantastic whitley huh yeah it's been yeah did i say avengers or yeah or, oh f <laughs> f um uh fantastic four i need to read hickman's fantastic four um and speaking and speaking of hickman too while we're while we're uh we're talking about uh his majesty or whatever the fuck his name is uh uh it was also announced that we'll get the the details of what comes after house of x and power of 10 
uh, Hickman's uh, X-Men relaunch things at San Diego Comic-Con. But Hickman will be writing the flagship X-Men book after those two six-issue miniseries uh, finish up. So we'll have more sort of whatever the big state of Marvel is going to look like uh, come this summer. Um, But yeah, uh, moving back to to this, like it's it seems like a fun concept. It's so like it's interesting, I guess, like going from something that like Hickman created to like now like Jeremy Whitley being the like the main writer because like I just I um everything that I associate with Whitley right now is just like good feelings and like great character relationships and just like fun fun fun. And I think you can do that like totally in like a weird like a weird weird sci fi book. Um, but like Hickman is like very like high concept and um like mm-hmm. cryptic and this and the other and like whitley's just like cute fun character relationships and like a lot of gay shit which yeah, i also so, am with. so i hadn't thought about that which is cool like it makes sense that he's bringing julian now um but also yeah i think this is after having read like all of hickman's marvel stuff this is it like as far as the upbeat stuff that he has made. I think the future foundation is like the height of that. And I th- for me, it's what made his fantastic four so grounded. And it's what made the book one of my favorite books and definitely the favorite thing, my favorite thing that he did at Marvel. So it, I guess I'm trying to say that's what makes it, or it does make sense. And it is very different from pretty much everything else that he made. So it makes sense that you would think that. But yeah, it even in its original form, it makes sense that Jeremy Whitley could take it over. Yeah. So you're so you think this is like a good like a good pairing? Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Okay. Well then that's good. That's exciting. Um yeah, I'm excited about this book. Like I I uh, I think I'm at a point where I will follow jeremy whitley to whatever he does at marvel and um and i'm kind of at the point too where i would be really excited or curious to read some of his like creator own stuff because i haven't done that yet but unstoppable wasp is so great and i'm so sad that it's ending and so is everybody else on twitter and i keep (laughs) tweeting about it and i just keep getting sad all over again i'll just be sitting in class and then all of a sudden it hits me that this book's getting canceled and it makes me sad. Um, anyway. Okay. Uh, well, cool. So that's all the news that we're going to talk about. So, uh, the other big thing that we're going to cover and then we'll take a break, um, and come back and review some more issues is that we're going to go ahead and review the two free comic book day issues that Marvel put out, uh, in the month of May. So you'll recall, and many of you probably participated in free comic book day, it was the first uh, Saturday of May, so back uh, Saturday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Um, and Marvel put out two free comic book day issues as they have been wont to do um, the last few years. I think the big publishers get sort of like a gold and a silver uh, is what they call them. So like a bigger a bigger free comic book day issue and then like a smaller one. Um, and they put out two. So they put out a free comic book day uh, Avengers issue and a free comic book day Spider-Man issue. So we'll talk about the Avengers um, issue first. So both issues featured two 10-page stories, as Nick said earlier. Um, the, the first uh, 10-page story in the Avengers issue was a true like Avengers tie-in to Jason Aaron's Avengers run. And it was illustrated by Stefano Caselli uh, with colors by Eric uh, Arseniega. 
And then the uh, second issue was the sort of zero issue for Savage Avengers, which had its first issue come out the first week of May. Weirdly, like the first issue came out before the free comic book day issue came out. And a lot of the reviews that I read said like, I don't know what's going on because I needed the free comic book day issue to tell me why all these characters are doing things. But I digress. Uh, that issue was written by Jerry Duggan and illustrated by Mike Diodato and colors by Frank Martin. And that's the ongoing creative team for that book. Um, so we'll take them. We'll kind of take them in order. And I guess we'll take all four of these in order too. Uh, so we'll start first with the, the Aaron Caselli uh, Avengers issue. Uh, Nick, have you been reading? Have you, are you caught up on, on Aaron's Avengers stuff? No, I've only read the first issue back when we talked about oh, okay. it. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, so then what did you think about this? This, what was going on here? Uh, I felt like it was trying to catch me up to speed on something that I didn't really have any stakes in to care about. I felt like every individual page was to try and catch me up on some subplot that had been happening. And there was just a narration throughout. And beyond that, there wasn't much to really hook me. I think it's, it's designed for either people who had already been reading the run uh, even then, I'd, I'd say it's iffy, uh, but I don't know because I haven't been reading. But then I think in terms of getting new readers, it's more focused on in getting people interested who already want to read the Avengers book. And that's just and not... you don't you me. don't want to read the Avengers book? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... I just mean that there's nothing there to really hook somebody who wasn't already sold. And I wasn't already sold. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so I, I caught up on most, on most of this run recently. Uh, so I think that you're right. Like, I think that it is kind of like reviewing some of like what's been happening in the book. Um, Cause that first arc was the uh, sort of like the, the final bits of of Marvel Legacy number one with the final host and also like they're fighting the Celestials and all that happens and then um, all that gets done and they get a new headquarters because now the Avengers are housed in uh, the Arc I think the Arctic uh, and like living like their headquarters is in the body of a dead Celestial and like uh Black Panther's in charge and they've like pissed off the U S government because like Black Panther's the leader of the Avengers. And they've like, so very, like very clearly demarcated that they're not at the service of like the United States or shield or anybody else. Um, so that's all going on. And like Namor's like really pissy, uh, because climate change, um, and like has started his own team. And like the Russians are really pissy because they hacked the election and yada, yada, yada. And so they have their own team, which features a bear that drinks a lot of vodka. Um, So that's cool because stereotypes. Um, And then the the United States started their own team because Coulson's alive again. And they have uh, this team that's featured here, the Squadron Supreme of America, um, which sounds like the Justice League of America or the Justice Society of America. Well, I think um, that's what the original Squadron Supreme, like, was right? Yeah, to be. they're yeah, they're Justice League analogs. Yeah. Um, 
and like the like the Wonder Woman analog character like just looks like Wonder Woman, like that's like just Wonder Woman and like right. a black leotard. She, she looks like the Crime Syndicate version of Wonder Woman. Oh, the um, that's I, I think that isn't that Lois Lane Superwoman. I think it's Superwoman, and I think it's Lois Lane. Could be. Um, but yeah, whoever that that version of the character is, it, it looks like. Yeah. It. Yeah. No, that's totally true. Um. And those characters have like kind of been in the background of the like the Squadron Supreme people until War of the Realms, and they're kind of out and about doing things because War of the Realms is happening. The thing with Tony getting transported is like just for this issue, and I don't think has happened yet. And I was kind of confused by it, and I was confused some by like Ghost Rider's car being a thing, and this like weird like Shi'ar cosmic thing is new, and we haven't seen any of that yet um at all and didn't make a lot of sense to me um but aaron's been weaving in like the 1 million bc avengers stuff from marvel legacy uh and like there and and in this run um so it's like clear that he's like building to something i guess and cool um but i think like you're right like this whole this whole 10 pages just felt like one long teaser with like iron man narrating um and it felt mm-hmm. weird like it felt weird i guess yeah now that you're explaining what had been happening in the book it makes more sense to me but that all was very hard to get if you haven't already been reading and i think this was yeah it was just a sort of a preview to show you like this is what's going on in the book and that was it as opposed to this is why you should care. yeah yeah. Oh, and there's a team of vampires because because vampires, um, and now, and now, uh, now all the vampires don't live in Transylvania anymore. They live on the the ashes of Chernobyl. That's a thing that happened too. Uh, the um, the page with Ghost Rider, Blade, and Black Panther. That was yeah. just insane. I actually really want to read more of that, but that's about it. Yeah, I was like confused, like why Blade's pointing is blade at like ghost like it they're like not all facing the same like it's a weirdly drawn like that panel is like a weirdly drawn i think um yeah they're all uh, looking at different things (laughs) yeah but i think like blade being in this book has been kind of fun uh because he was in the the vampire arc and that was cool and he's in war of the realms and that's kind of that's kind of neat um and like the ghost rider stuff has been kind of interesting um and it's and it's also fascinating, like read, reading this book, like alongside like Scott Snyder and Jim Chung and Jorge Jimenez's like Justice League run and stuff, because like Aaron and Snyder are doing like very similar things, like they're trying to redefine these teams for like this era or whatever. Um, and it's like fun to watch those things happen. This I, I so this is like my sort of um, idea for this like piece, and then we can move on, uh, like. I think this thing is teasing a lot of stuff and I don't think that it really like, I don't think all the teasers work because I think like part of teasing things, especially like in this day and age is that like you tease like little bits to get people excited about things that you've already announced and like things that like you already know are kind of happening. Um, so like there was and and Aaron like throughout this run and throughout his Thor stuff just like has had all these pages that have like teased all this shit that like has not paid off for like years or issues or has paid off in different series or this, that and the other. And it's like fun connecting all the dots or whatever, but like for an issue um, 
that's supposed to be like a, a an issue that you like give to like an eight year old so that they can get into comics. Like this seems kind of like iffy, and I don't know like how all this stuff is going to pay off and sort of like the direction of it, of Aaron's Avenger stuff. Not that I need to know where he's going, um, but I just like have no idea. And it just seems like that, like it seems odd that like we're teasing a lot of things that I don't know when and how, or at least like have a sense of how they might pay off, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I agree. Um, yeah. And it, it goes back to what I was saying about how like they're, they're showing you things, but they're not showing why you should care. And yeah, it's like, both in story and in terms of like, what is the next book that I should want to buy and why should I want to buy it? Yeah. And it seems odd because like all of Marvel's free comic book day output for the last few years has been um, like teasing their next big event. Uh, like I think in 2018 there wasn't there a free comic book day issue about secret empire in 2018 or am I making, no, their free comic mm-hmm. day issue was about event was about fresh start stuff. Um, I'm yeah, making that up. 2017. I think it was Secret, Secret Empire. Empire. Might've been 2016. Then, it's been a while. <laughs> 17, 17 was Secret, Secret Empire. 2016 was Civil War two Cause that's the issue that Rhodey mm. died in. Uh, that Thanos punched Rhodey through the stomach or whatever. Spoilers. Spo- whatever. <laughs> you didn't read that three years ago. Didn't you no. Yeah. Uh, that was um, a don't worry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know why and where all these things are, are going to pay off. And it, it's just like odd that there are like a lot of like streams right now and Marvel comics. Like there's a lot of big, like a lot of big buckets. Like there's like the Jason Aaron war of the realms Avengers bucket. There's like Hickman's bucket. That's gonna, and like, he's like said, he's got plans for the next like year and a half or whatever. And then there's like the Donnie Cates, like carnage bucket stuff that's coming up. And then there's just sort of like the, everything else that's kind of happening. Um, mm-hmm. Well, first off, I, don't I, know, love, but... I love the word bucket here. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. not a word that I would ever have thought to use, but okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, finish that thought. Oh, no. I, uh, that's, I just, yeah, like, I don't know where, like, where, not like, not like where do I need to put my money, but like, where do I need to put like my emotional sort of like whatever. And there's like all this like Spider-Man stuff too. Like that was, that was the other bucket I was thinking of. Like that's the other, mm-hmm. um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Like it's and like it's exciting that there are all these things happening. But there's just like so much happening, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a how side to effect care, of how to care about all of it. It's a side effect of putting out eighty books a month. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Hmm. Yeah. Unfortunate. I, in this issue, um, looking at it again and thinking back to when I was reading it, what I was really feeling, it felt just like the Marvel Legacy issue, which makes sense because that was very it was by Jason Aaron and it was Avengers focused and it was focused on the characters that he ended up working with in this Avengers story and it ends with the same type of or it ends with a reveal that ties back to that Marvel legacy so I feel like this is sort of a part two of that and I I wasn't on the episode when you talked about Marvel legacy that was I think the very first episode. It's episode was, one. Yeah. Yeah. It was a slightly different like uh, group of people. But yeah, that issue I didn't find really uh, engaging. And it was really disappointing that they didn't really do anything with it. 
And so uh, what I'm trying to say is I feel the same way about this. Yeah, yeah. And and this feels, because I remember too, like I didn't love that issue, but I love like when, when because I've loved in, in, in all of Aaron's Thor stuff when he's like had those like splash pages of here's all the things that are going to be happening. Like I think those are kind of cool. And and he's kind of made a made a like a like a career or whatever or like that's like a like a, a style a style of his is like teasing all these things and then and then paying them off. Um, it just it just felt odd here because I don't know. Yeah, like you said, like I don't know where where when I need to care about all this stuff because um, there's just like so much. It's just like so big and like all these teams and there's all this sort of all these like disparate threads doing things and and I'm sure they all come together and fight each other at one point. And that's when I'll need to care. But yeah. Well, then yeah. again, uh, in Hickman's run, there were a whole bunch of different factions and then it just ended. So hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen again. That would be good. That would be nice. I think yeah. Jason Aaron is, uh, I wouldn't say that he's a better plotter, but I'd say that he is more focused on an end game than Hickman mm. is. Yeah. I think I, I, and I would imagine like, I just keep thinking about the fact, and I think we talked about this on, on a couple of episodes ago, like the fact that blade appeared in war of the realms, number one, like, and Russell Darman started drawing that issue back last fall. Like Aaron's known where he's going with this like big macro story that he's been telling. I would think for a long time, if he was able to like plan ahead for Dodderman in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like I think that he's like got like a vision, but it just like it and it just like kind of seems like we're throwing out a lot, a lot of breadcrumbs, and like I haven't been able to be tricked into like falling under the box with the stick or whatever yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like I want to know, like we're just like I just keep getting breadcrumbs, and some of them are really cool breadcrumbs, but like I need like a like a meal now or or like to mm-hmm. you know like it's like that that yeah, like the, the, the metaphor is kind of falling apart but i get what you mean <laughs> yeah i'm bad at, i'm bad at metaphors i guess or whatever but whatever yeah yeah no, it's, it's cool okay. i get i get what you mean okay all right so second half of the issue um savage avengers stuff go i uh, don't have to spend that much time on that <laughs> yeah um i'm glad that we know exactly where i want to go and i'm also glad that i know that i don't want to go there cool okay um yeah i so a couple thoughts on this i read it one i'm like oh this is the best diodato art that i've seen at marvel Mm -hmm. in a while um so happy about that this art is actually very good and that really surprised me um it didn't really surprise me because i don't like diodato i do like diodato uh like his modern stuff Uh um yeah i don't think i've read something that i've actively disliked um i don't love it but yeah the coloring mixed with his art it was just a really good combo this time yeah i agree and like he wasn't trying to do like like there were so many times in um reading infinity wars and reading like uh thanos like reading some of his cosmic stuff that there's just like all this like weird like paneling stuff happening and some weird formatting things that i think he was like experimenting with or or I don't know if it was like lazy or whatever and just like trying to be cool. Um, but this is like a very sort of like very normal laid out comic 
the panels are all like squares and rectangles. It flows easy. I don't have to guess about which panel I'm supposed to read next. Um, it just like kind of looks normal and it's like more grounded. And, and I, and I, I think that that's cool. Uh, all that being said, this is like not a book that I think I'm, I'm going to care about at all. <laughs> I had no idea what happened in this. Yeah, I don't either. Like Wolverine meets some Italian mobster dude that I guess like likes flying immigrants and fancy jets. And then Electra kills some fake Pharaoh guy. But don't forget about the hand. Coming Whose in. Hand? The, like the, they're the ninja. Coming in hot. Showed up, right? Hand. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't realize uh, that was really. a bit. Um, um, you gotta realize but, that. Yeah. No. yeah, they yeah. Uh, they showed up for some reason. Do yeah. I care to find out the reason? No. Do I know where to go to find it? Yes. And I think that makes this a slightly better uh, teaser than the Avenger story was. Yeah, I think it I think it definitely serves better as like a lead in to like Savage Avengers one and um and i haven't read that yet but uh um it's weird like i thought too like this is kind of like it just seems like this is like the first 10 pages of that comic uh and like conan doesn't show up at all and like i thought that was like the selling point of the savage avengers is that like conan was going to be in it i kind of like wanted conan to be in the Mm -hmm. free comic the issue savage 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 well yeah yeah, because that's a that's conan's adjective no, I'm with you. That was the bit. Uh, I, I, Savage. Now we're explaining the bit to everyone, and they're going to think that we don't know what we're doing. It's mainly each don't. other. Yeah, and we don't, so. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, glad we got that taken care of. Um, okay, so moving on. So we had the, the free comic book day Spider-Man issue. Um, also split up into two 10-page stories. The first story is a Venom story. Uh, written by main Venom writer Donny Cates, illustrated by main Venom uh, artistic team, uh, penciled by Ryan Stegman, inked by J.P. Meyer, and then colored by Frank Martin. Um, and then the second story is a sort of like uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man slash Miles Morales story. So it's co-written by the writers of those two books. So Saladin Ahmed and Tom Taylor, uh, penciled by Corey Smith, inked by Jay Le- uh, Lyston, and then colored by David Curiel. Um, so we'll start with the Venom thing because it's definitely a lead-in to Absolute Carnage, um, and sort of like a little side-off thing for Absolute Carnage. Uh, pay some homages to uh, the first issue of Kate's and Stegman's Venom run, um, and tells you exactly where to go to read about what happens next. Um, so Nick, have you have you read the last few issues of Venom after we read the that first arc of stuff? No, and it's funny because this book keeps on popping up in the show. Yeah, um, yeah. Marvel is like really I, pushing this book. I feel like we keep. I feel like we keep asking, like, "Have you kept reading this?" Uh-huh. Hey, we're and always the answer like, no. is always no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's signed in War of the Realms right now, so I think it's like it finished its first year, and now it's like doing War of the Realms stuff, and Colin Bunn's mm-hmm. writing those. So this would be the perfect time to to catch up. But yeah, but I'm not gonna. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I read this and I felt the exact same that I do about the Venom book and about pretty much everything that Donny Cates does, which is it's well-crafted comic, but it's not something that I care about. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was reading this. It was sort of interesting because um, it's like Carnage is impersonating Eddie Brock and then is like killing 
this character, it's funny, like he's killing this Lee Price character who was um, the like Venom character in the Venom book that preceded uh, Kate's run, who like people like kind of hated, uh, which is fun. Um, I liked the page where the like, like carnage null whatever is holding um the pole and like looking out over the city and there's like rain coming down because that's sort of like taken almost like directly from their first issue of venom weird that they already think that they can homage themselves um but i guess if Uh, it's it's less of an homage and more of a callback here i think that's fair yeah i guess if you know if you're imagining that because did you like all the all their all like Kate's and Stegman's sort of like publicity for Venom is like ah oh, like it's better than Watchmen and like oh it's gonna outsell X Men number one and stuff like like mm-hmm. it's like sort of like self referential in the way that like yeah we're really important kind of way <laughs> yeah um, but I agree yeah like I uh, less so with Guardians of the Galaxy because I think that that Kate's and, and Shaw's Guardians of the Galaxy stuff that they're doing right now is really, really good. And I really like that book. Um, and we talked about that and, and you said the same thing. Like, it's a well-crafted comic. I think that it like, it like technically is good, but like, is not something that I like, you know, want to keep up with or whatever. And that's one that I've kept up with a lot. And I think is, is really, really fun. Um, this is kind of like, I know that Carnet, like the absolute carnage stuff is coming. Um, and like the first part of the Venom stuff was like really interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like, ah, well, you know, I'll read it. It'll happen. Um, yeah. Okay. Last but not least, uh, Miles and Peter in the self-titled Friendly Neighborhood Rivalry. Nick, is this the best of the four, the four stories? <laughs> is that even a question? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, it, it's by both of the teams who are writing like friendly neighborhood and the miles morales book and yeah yeah it's it's just the best (laughs) it's a six what is it six or eight pages it's a short story and it just goes to be a complete story it's not a teaser for anything it's not the beginning of something else it just looks at these characters tells you a fun little story Mm -hmm. and that's it and it it i think has the the best in terms of characterization and plotting and just overall storytelling of both of the friendly neighborhood and the, uh, Miles Morales book. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And it's, 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 it's interesting too, that like if everything else, if the other three stories were teasers, like this is really just like a one-off. Um, and it tells like a full thing and it tells the full thing with the writers of these books that are like telling these stories that are like side stories and are like really fun and good side stories. Like both the uh, Miles Morales book and Friendly Neighbor Spider-Man, um, as we'll talk about some of the second part of the show are good, but like are really great comics. Uh, and they're not like driving sort of like the, the Spider-Man part of, of Marvel's line or anything at all. I uh, like, and, and in fact, like this issue ends with that, like teaser, uh, by Ryan Otley and Nathan Fairburn about, it says like the scariest spider year ever continues, which is all the stuff that like Nick Spencer's doing in an amazing Spider-Man. And I could just like care less about any of that. Cause I just like, think it's so much fun that, uh, like Peter and miles are arguing about like where the best pizza in New York is. And, 
like laughing and quipping and uh, like I'm glad that like I thought that they were going to like actually fight and it just turns out that they just like wanted to fight over pizza. And then and, also like that the resolution of the story it had a lot of heart in a way that yeah. I always think in terms of the Tom Taylor stories they usually have mm-hmm. this sort of very uh, almost subtle emotional beat to them. Uh, yeah. it's, it, it ends up being a story about uh, just loving where you come from. Yeah, yeah. I love that Shocker calls them Spider-Mans. <laughs> I think that's fun. Um, yeah, I just think it's fun. I just think it's fun. And I think it's the most successful. And I think like if if free comic book day is about one like giving people the like here come read these things next which all of these issues did like the 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 book the books that we got have ads for you know like where to go to look at marvel stuff next or whatever um and like they have ads for like some of these books and then like you know there are ads for like hickman's things and like immortal hulk and this that, and the other um and there's ads telling you to go, you know, and like read like the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and Miles Morales. And I would think that like of reading all of these, if you were like a kid and you like had watched Endgame or you were really excited about like Spider-Man Far From Home coming in a couple months, like you would go and pick up like one of these books as opposed to like fig- trying to figure out what Marvel's doing everywhere else or whatever. Mm-hmm. When I yeah. got home from free comic book day, uh, mm-hmm. The only of the Marvel stories that I read was this one. And then I didn't read the other three until I knew that we were going to be talking about them on the podcast. <laughs> so I don't know. That should maybe is also a sign of, I don't know what that's a sign of, but <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> that it exists. It's yeah. The only one I mean, like I these really are, and cared about. these are the kinds of stories that you like, like yeah. the stories that like they tell, like they're character driven and they're fun and they don't really have necessarily like tie into like all these other big things that are happening. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I was like reading this and I was like, Oh, Nick's going to really enjoy this. (laughs) You know me. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. Anyway. Cool. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in the second part of the episode to talk about some other issues that Marvel put out end of April, beginning of May. And we will see you then. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we're back. So for the second part of the episode, we're going to review a couple more books of of Marvel's from the month of April, May, which is not a month, it's two months, but I that's where we're done. Um, so April, May for Marvel, we talked about the free comic book day issues. Um, the first part of the episode, April and May, the big thing going on has really been war of the realms, which is, uh, has just put out its fourth issue and is 
like deep and tie in territory before it concludes um, next month. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. Like everybody is just kind of hand, all hands on deck for War of the Realms. But there were some other things that were happening on the side at Marvel. So we talked about War of the Realms number one a couple of issues ago, and we'll, we'll talk about it as it ends next month. Um, so a few other things that, that were, were happening and that were goings on um, that we'll cover uh, in this part is that Marvel uh, published the first issue of Major X. Uh, they put out uh, a fun one-off issue of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which we'll talk about. And then West Coast Avengers ended with issue 10, which is a book that we have talked about quite a bit on this podcast and have um, really, really enjoyed and uh, enjoyed uh, uh, reading and so forth. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to cover them in that order. So we're going to talk about Major X first, uh, then Fairly Neighborhood Spider-Man, issue number six, and then West Coast Avengers, number 10. So we'll kick off with Major X. Major X is the uh, fantastical, mythical, magnificent, marvelous return of creator Rob Liefeld to the X-Men world. So Major X, number one, written and illustrated by Rob Liefeld colored by Romulo, Romulo Fajardo Jr., speculated on by tons of the straights and enjoyed by no one. Nick, what were your thoughts about Major X number one? Whew, uh, what, a, what a book. Um, <laughs> first off, do you have any background with any other Liefeld stuff other than no, like, just knowing who he is? Not really, no. No, okay. do you? No. Oh, we uh, need Jess here to Liefeld us. Who? Yeah, that's right. Jess is dead. Oh, Jess. Or Jess never existed. <laughs> I uh, thought you said Jeff, and I was like, who's Jeff? Uh, Jeff, you know, Jeff, like our fourth co-host. So you don't remember yeah. Jeff? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, I remember James. Me, so. Deep cut for those <laughs> uh, make my multiversity purists. So anyway, uh, Major X is a book that was written and drawn by Rob Liefeld. And that is that is uh, an understatement. It's actually an exact (laughs) statement, which itself is an understatement. Uh, Why do you say that for? Why do you say it's an reading this? I can see I can see how his stuff really shook stuff up back in the 90s. reading it today uh, um, he's he's clearly refined himself that's nice um, in terms of his, that <laughs> in, in terms of his art it's not quite as okay. wild as his 90s stuff but it's still like wild God cable's costume design is painfully bad it is I, it I is. wanted to gouge my eyes out every time he was on panel. And that's not an exaggeration. I need to go to therapy. Um, we all need to go to therapy. Classic next, therapy jokes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that offensive? Is it offensive know, if you've maybe. been to therapy? Anyway, uh, Major X. God, what a book. <laughs> okay. Oh, I should I should actually get into details. The coloring... I just want you to. I just want. Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Okay. As we're talking about wonky, wonky Liefeld things and Caleb's costume and weird stuff, I want you to turn 
to the first like full page spread and in the book where major x has his legs spread and he's like kicking cable in the face or stomping on him or oh, whatever okay hold on um, i i don't have it up but i i know exactly what you mean are you talking about all the lines around his crotch yeah i don't understand what's going he, on with he this did that like he did that multiple other times in the issue yeah i can't tell if like he's just like got like a like a major looking wedgie thing going on in his crotch or if he's like wearing a cup, like a baseball cup, or if mm-hmm. he like has like like a piece of like like Tupperware, like where his <laughs> penis is, or like if his penis like is Tupperware, or yeah. like what, like it doesn't, or like if he has a penis, I don't know, like <laughs> like he may, not, I get that's fine, like that's fine, like and I don't need to guess like the genitalia of people. It just like looks real fucked up with this like. If you've weird got a Tupperware looking. penis, good for you. Yeah, um, I mean, like, that's fine. Like, I don't care. Um, you do you, man. It just is so... I don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I think... Oh, I had the exact same reaction when I first saw it. I was like, why? This you is so unnecessary. What What was that? I said you wondered about his Tupperware penis. I Exactly. That was the exact thought that went through my head. Um, I'm glad. <laughs> is that a pun? Does Glad make Tupperware? Um, oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so good. Nice. Ah. nice. So, nice. when I saw that panel, my my main thought, at first, I was like, why? But then when I saw that he did it again later, I realized that it was his way of trying to add detail when he has larger figures that take up more of a panel. And it's funny that that's the only way he can think to add detail, other than adding more pouches. And, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And it's honestly bad in this context, but I can also see why that was the sort of thing that would shake things up in the 90s in terms of comic art. So, yeah. That because, w- because people were into Tupperware penises? In exactly. The that's okay. what the 90s were all about. In my is this some kink that I haven't read about yet? Like, is there is there like an article you can point me to about? Yeah, we were a little too young when it actually was a thing, but ah. trust me. Okay, okay, yeah. I believe you. I believe you. Yeah, that the that the straights were into Tupperware penises and the, the straight. That's the second time you said that today. And like, is there a reason? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just am saying that I would imagine. The heterosexuals. Rob Liefeld is, uh, is very straight. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, please continue. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so the coloring. Romulo Fajardo yeah. doing... Uh, wow. I totally didn't say that right, so I'm not going to say it again. Um, but his coloring, it made me think that it looked more like a Top Cow book than it looked like like the, the Cyberforce recent relaunch. It reminded me more of that than of, like, classic era Rob Liefeld. Uh, So I think that helped the art a lot. But at the same time, the art is very... Just on a panel-to-panel storytelling level, there are a lot of times where, from panel-to-panel, it was supposed to be fluid, and it wasn't. Um, And so I, I think on that level he sort of fails as a storyteller often and i don't think that's good uh the other place where he fails as a storyteller is that is that Fajardo's fault or is that is that no sorry sorry i was talking about liefeld there 
Okay. okay. Yeah, that that was okay. a separate thought from okay from the coloring thing. Yeah, because I totally agree. Like, there's so much like white space in in this issue. Like, so much like just mm. like empty, um, empty mm-hmm. panel space. Uh, like, well, not even just, like. Yeah, that's that's not really what I meant. I meant like in one panel you'll have. Like, there's one panel specifically that really confused me. I think he was fighting Cable. Major X was fighting Cable. And Major X is in almost the same position in both panels. But in one panel, like, Cable is moving forward to punch him. But then in the next panel, he's, like, like thrown back. And there's no indication in Major X's body language that he was the one who, you know, hit Cable or whatever it was. And oh, I just okay. think, yeah, on a very micro level, those storytelling cho- choices were bad. Okay, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Okay, we were we were talking about something, but yeah, I think like the way that the action flows from like like um, like panel to panel, you're right. Like is is um, like wonky in parts, and is it is hard to mm-hmm. hard to understand how uh, how like the the movements or whatever are flowing. I, I agree with you there. I was, and I also think that like there's just a lot of white space and like no backgrounds at all in mm-hmm. any of this, and that like throws me a lot, um, which yeah. is like not, yeah. So that was a lot more common in '90s books, and it's just funny that Liefeld just never adapted. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just am like I just I'm like staring at Cable's costume. It's it's. Genuinely terrible. I don't. Is he like wearing like a plush, like H looking thing? Yes. And like it doesn't even cover his whole body. Like, or, like yeah, it doesn't like, cover his stomach is not, just open for some reason. It's not body armor. It's it like looks like the padding that like is on like the back of like a like a gym wall like under like where the basketball court is that like you run mm-hmm. into if you're like trying to shoot a layup or something. But it's in the shape of uh, the things that they put on you at roller coasters. Yeah. Or like at like big theme parks when you're going on like the type of ride that goes upside down when it's not just a box car, but it's a full like body thing that goes over you. Kind of. He looks like, he looks like he should be at like one of those like trampoline park things where like and he's in like an arena where two people have like the sort of like spear 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 things that have like the plush things on the end and they're hitting each other and he looks mm-hmm. like he should be like wearing a helmet so that like he protects his head yeah. a little bit and they're um, doing it over like uh, a big pool of jello so they don't even need yes. that armor yes yeah yeah the jello would make it better Mm-hmm. Um, or like like over a ball pit or something. Yeah. Like if they're like standing on like two pillars and there's like a ball pit below and the goal is to like hit the person into the ball pit. Honestly, if that were to happen in this book, I would have been much happier. I think that would have been cool. Um, so it would have given it would have given Fajardo something to color. Yeah. Well, he he did good with what he was given. I thought. No, I I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of the story? Since I just talked a lot about the art. <laughs> is that what you thought wow yeah pretty much uh um uh it was just kind of like eh. um 
there are a lot of X things here. <laughs> um, yeah, there were. The existential and the X whatever and the it's the it's the existential, which isn't existential. That's worse. That's like X E N T I A L. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, that doesn't. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't I, know what that was supposed to be. I don't know. I. Uh, I mean, so. I think if so, I think if I think if Jess were here, she might have some some different thoughts than, than you and I have because like she re- has read a lot of '90s X Men comic things, and 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 you and I have not. Um, and and I want to, like, I want to, like, I think I need that for myself in order to be able to participate in conversation um, mm-hmm. in some ways. So, for those of you that read this and love this, or have different thoughts than I do, like, forgive me, uh, or like have a lot of nostalgia for. Liefeld and X Force and Cable and Deadpool and Dreadpool <laughs> and whatever, uh, you know, just like know that you're wrong and I don't have any way to defend my position. Um, so, um, all that being said, I think like the arts have just like really detracted like any sort of like enjoyment or, or thinking about any of the story because, and I'm not even like 100% sure like what is it is that's happening because like they're just like hurling really horrible insults back and forth to each other as they're like fighting mm-hmm. um i think it's like major x is from a different dimension and he comes to ask for help but then they fight for some reason yeah and the all the details of that are really unnecessary and i think rob liefeld even feels like they're unnecessary but he created them but because yeah. he didn't really care about them, he just made them as generic and boring as possible. And yeah. he tries to sell the dramatic moments on one-liners that just don't land. And the whole thing is just not a good story. <laughs> and the art is what it is. So yeah, yeah. This and it's this just book. it's just like interesting that like we get to the end and like like. Cable and Wolverine and Deadpool and Dreadpool and Major X and this other beast character um, have like all been fighting and then Cable's like, oh, I figured out your secret identity and I know who you are. But he's like still been like trying to beat the crap out of him and he like pointed a gun at him and he was like, oh, I know who you are, son. And then it's his son. (laughs) Isn't okay. Cable is already this weird. I don't even know. He's Scott's son from the future with, I think, an alternate reality thing thrown in and he was thrown back in time or something. It's a convoluted and dumb concept and this just makes it even dumber. Yeah. And he like, and he like tells him, he's like, I know who you are, son. And then the final page, he's like got his mouth open and his like irises are gone because I guess no one in the nineties had like pupils or whatever. Um, that's cool or whatever. It was just a different time. I guess, you know. Uh, the standards of uh, beauty, they were very different. Clinton, Clinton was president. It just, like, was a whole whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, he's just, like, like he knew what it was. And then he's, like, looks surprised. And, like, his eyeballs have rolled back in his head. And I can, like, just imagine that that Liefeld was, like, hmm, what should I name this this kid? Okay, he needs to be 
last name needs to be Summers. Okay, Summers. His middle name needs to be Nathaniel, Nathan, because Cable's name is Nathan. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Alexander. Well, I saw Hamilton recently, so I guess his name is going to be Alexander Nathaniel Summers. And, and, and that's kind of, that's just kind of what I thought. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that seems about right. That's how writers come up with names. And he's like got dreads kind of, which I don't know if that's a thing or not, but anyway, and he just like takes his helmet off. He's like, you're my only hope. And then, and then more stuff is, uh, is set to ensue. Um, so yeah, no, I like didn't really enjoy this. I mostly wanted to read this because for fun, because, um, people like it sold, like it sold really well. People bought a lot of it. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like been doing well in the, in the speculator market. I think it's like on, it's like third printing or something right now. (laughs) That makes sense. Because, because we think that we need to just like buy, things that introduce new characters or whatever but also it it makes sense because rob liefeld was you know at his height at the height of the speculator market in the 90s right 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 like i feel bad for whatever like dad thinks that he's gonna um like pay for his kids college with like major x number one one day but i think that's a thought that people have um oh it is uh my uber driver i my car was like it had to it was in the shop and uh yeah i i had to take an uber and i on my way home i was like i might as well go to the comic book stores and spread right across the street so he, he brought me there and the whole ride there um it was only like a four minute ride but the whole time he yeah. talked about how like oh, like, my dad has all these, like, old comic books that are going to be worth so much. He has, like, ooh, this, like, X-Men number one. And he was just, yeah, he he, was, he hadn't yet shed the, uh, the idea that speculators tried to push on people in the 90s. And it was fascinating. Yeah, it's, I don't, I think it's, I mean, I think it's wild that anyone would, I don't know. Like, I just can't, like, I can't see myself going through the effort of buying, buying a few copies of this book and then like turning around and listing them on eBay in order to make like 50 bucks or something, which is what some people are like the smart speculatory people are doing. I think it's like sell while you know that this book is never going to be like, is, is worth something right now. And cause it's not going to be worth anything in the future. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, to anyone important uh, and like that just seems like that just seems like wrong i don't know it just seems like it seems sad that yeah like your the your only enjoyment of this thing is to like turn around and like for you to make a profit um and it seems sad like to make books then like this knowing full well that like that's kind of the only reason you'd want to do this like i don't know that like I mean, I don't, like, follow Liefeld in any sort of, like, detailed capacity or anything. But he's, like, got to know that this is, like, not a good book. And he's, and this is just, like, kind of a... I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I based on, 
like the persona that has built been built around Rob Liefeld, it seems like he's the kind of guy who thinks that he he genuinely thinks that he makes great stuff. Okay. Well. So. Hmm. All right. Well, anyway, I don't know. I yeah. mean, maybe maybe so, but but no, no, I you're just... you're totally right about the the speculator market and yeah. they're a blight on the comics industry. <laughs> Honestly. Like, like, yeah, like, it just, it just seems sad. Like, just, like, buy things, read them, enjoy them, and then, like, keep them, or get rid of them, or give them to somebody else to enjoy them, or, like, sell them to, like, that, like, my comic shop company or whatever that, like, just, like, has, like, wants to have a warehouse of a bunch of stuff to, like, basically have everything. Like, yeah, um, I, when I sell stuff on eBay, I, I always hope that I get, uh, like, a, a reader instead of a speculator or even yeah. like even a collector is fine, but just not a speculator. Um, because like whenever I've dealt with speculators, they always complain about things. And like, I remember I sold off, uh, I was selling the Matt fraction, David aha Hawkeye series. And I told the person like, after they had bought the thing, I realized that, uh, the annual had a digital code and I had removed the the thing so that I could get the code. And I told him and he was like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely canceling my order. I, he, I definitely don't think that my buyers will want something where half the book has been ripped out. And I'm like, how can you think like that? How is that a mindset that you willingly put yourself in? Anyway, that's my speculative story. <laughs> Did he cancel the order? Yeah, he did. And then uh, an actual reader ended up buying it, and I was happy. Oh. That's nice. Yeah. Huh. I bought I bought all of Hickman's Avengers, like, issues from this, like, really nice guy on eBay. And then he was like, oh, I'm really thinking about selling, like, my, my full thing of new Avengers, too. Do you, like, want that also for, like, another, like, 15 bucks? And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. And he was like, oh, that's so great. I was like, yeah, I've been reading it. Like I, I read a lot of it. I think it's really, really awesome. I would love to have it because I would just love to have it. Um, cause I've like done that with like big runs that I like mm-hmm. missed reading them and singles. Like I get, I don't know. Cause I guess I like to collect things somewhat. And he's like, yeah, cool. Like I'll send those along too. Like sounds great. Um, and he was just like real friendly and it was super cool. So like shout out to whoever that dude was. <laughs> if he's listening, he probably doesn't know or not, whatever. Um, but like, that's like, that's why like, I try, I've tried to sell a few things on eBay. I try to sell things on eBay when I moved from, from Texas to Chicago. Uh, and it was just like a mess. Like it just like, I hated it and I hated eBay and I screwed up a bunch of stuff and I had to like pay like a bunch of extra money in shipping or like some guy got mad at me because I didn't, I thought I had paid all the shipping and I hadn't cause I clicked the wrong shipping. I don't know. Like, it just like seems like a whole other side of this thing that just like seems unnecessary and weird and and yeah I don't know anyway we don't have to dwell on this anymore um, we can move on yeah okay um, we can major move on X to something that that sparks joy yeah major X is a bad comic we're gonna Marie Kondo that shit all right so moving on to joy um, friendly neighborhood Spider Man number six. Written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Juan Cabal, colored by 
Noen Woodard and Federico Blee. Um, the story is very, very sweet. Uh, it's a one-off fun story. So Nick, I'll turn it over to you because you're the one that wanted to talk talk about this issue. Um, so, so take it away. Yeah, I've been reading the series. I've been loving it. I really like Tom Taylor. And as listeners of the show will know, I am a sucker for a good one-off. And I know that we on the show tend to love a good Spider-Man one-off. This is the third one that we've talked about. Uh, So, yeah, uh, when I first opened it, I hadn't heard any of the positive buzz. This issue has been getting a lot of positive buzz. It's been selling out a lot of play, um, at a lot of stores. And first off, uh, we're going to spoil this because I don't know if we can talk about it without spoiling it. So if you haven't read the issue, pause this and go read it. Um, but yeah, uh, so moving on into spoiler territory. Uh, Spoilers. Uh... <laughs> Reading the actual issue, at first it seems like just a typical fun issue of Tom Taylor as Spider-Man, and you don't really know who the kid is. And I think it's really successful just on a technical level of being a fun one-off Spider-Man story, and there's just this new kid who Peter is dealing with and uh, just fighting these crazy villains and all that. And that, I think the issue is really successful on that level. But then it gains a new level once you realize what's actually happening and just the whole emotional resonance of like Peter helping this kid out who doesn't know if he's going to live for another day. And yeah, it, it, it was all very classic like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I think that's my favorite interpretation of the character, um, which makes sense given the type of stuff that I usually like. Um, Yeah, it it reminded me of um, the kid who collected Spider-Man, which is one of those like seminal Marvel stories. And uh, I think that there's even a reference to that in this issue with like the little Spider-Man action figure. Um, And I feel like sometimes cancer kids, (laughs) cancer specifically, but also cancer kids can be an overused trope. Like even in this book right now, Aunt May has cancer. Um, But I think because the rest of the issue was so successful in what it did, I think having that be a small aspect of it ended up lifting up the whole story. So Kevin, what do you feel? Yeah, I was. Just, well, I was just. Gonna, did they ever say that he has cancer specifically? Mm, or oh, just, like, I don't know. If, yeah, I mean, it's the implication that he has some sort of terminal illness. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I thought this book was really, really sweet. Um, and and it's funny that you said that you like started. You like, oh, I just thought this was like another fun issue of like Tom Taylor's Spider-Man because I opened it and like read the first page and like they're fighting Doc Ock and. I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense right now because because I'm I'm stupid and and continuity matters a little bit to me. Like I was like, wait a minute, like Doc Ock's like uh, like a clone and he's like the Superior Spider Man again and he's like doing things and then like the Green Goblin was like doing stuff and all this and and I'm like, okay, like this doesn't make sense like continuity wise. And I was like, what is going on? And then I kept going 
Um, and like they fight, you know, like the Sinister 60 and there's like, like that, that full page spread of like them looking at everything. And it's like, this doesn't make sense either. Cause like Spidey's like fighting Craven and Nick Spencer's book right now. And like Venom's here and like, they're like kind of, I don't know, all this stuff. And, and then there's like that beautiful, like double page spread of like with all the little panels of the fighting and things. Um, and like Stiltman's doing a thing. And then like all of a sudden there's the page right after like Stiltman like runs away with the box where like all the backgrounds like start to like, you start to come out of it and all the backgrounds look um, like, like colored, like colored pencil or whatever. And you realize that like they're playing in like a fun world and like that Spidey's like hanging out with a kid and all this. And it's, it's just like so cute. And then there's the panel um, it's on page, it's on page 23 of the PDF when like the parents are talking to this kid again. Um, and like Spidey's, you know, Spidey tells him like, oh, he may have bruised his elbow. And then the mom's like small price to pay. And the kid, the kid just like says, he's like, there were a bunch of continuity errors and plot holes, mom, but I fought the sinister 60. <laughs> I just like, I just like laughed so hard reading that. Cause it's just so beautiful and pure and wonderful. Um, and also like, of course, like Tom Taylor, like knows, what's going on in all the Spider-Man books right now because he's Tom mm-hmm. Taylor and like oh. Marvel's not going to let him publish a whatever. I laughed at that um, for a different reason. And that was because those are like buzzwords that people on YouTube <laughs> and like just Twitter and places like that try to use when they try to demean a story. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean that too. Like, I think it's, I think it like has like the double, like the double meaning of saying like this kid jokingly as i recognizing that like mm-hmm. all the things that are happening to him right now couldn't happen because he's like caught up on the world and also like for all the like schmucks like me and then the more jaded people that are like this story's stupid because like it doesn't make sense and like this blah 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 um but i just thought that was beautiful i just like i just like love like i just love this story and i love what taylor's doing in this book um because it like feels really personal and really powerful and really um just like really fun. Um, and I didn't know that I needed like this, like a story like this to remind me or like a book like this to remind me that like, this is what, um, like that this is what like superhero comics and like Marvel comics and things like can and should be. Um, cause like, I, like I, I am like sometimes like, and, and usually on this podcast and like the person that like, wants to read all the books that like quote unquote matter or like they're like driving the sort of like ongoing story of, of what's happening in like the universe or whatever. But like, of course there are stories like this one where the heroes are, are um, hanging out with, with the like quote unquote sort of like, like normal people of the world or there's not these like huge, like multiverse, like threatening events that are happening um and there's just like a kid who like is dying and the parents are scared and he's like afraid he's not gonna wake up and like needs like somebody to tell him that like it's like not that it's gonna be okay but that it's like it's like the things like right now are okay and like that's like that's enough and um yeah i just think it was really really sweet and i think like tom daler is just like a, a genius at at telling stories like this and he's been doing it since he was doing injustice stuff and he's like done it he did it with all new Wolverine and he's done it with all the other books that he's written. Um, and I think Juan Cabal is like a great artist and a great match. And like, it's clear that him and Taylor have a relationship now and 
yeah, I don't know. I loved I loved this issue a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so about one cabal. Yeah, his his art is what really sells a lot of the moments, uh, like when they're fighting, um, and what you said about their partnership. I think that's really uh, like there are parts where you can't tell who made what decisions uh, like in the Stiltman pages where all of a sudden you can, you can tell that like it's all cardboard looking backgrounds and uh, the panels, like the way that they sort of fall apart and he goes out of the panel. Um, all of that. I think it's, it's just a collaboration between the two of them. I could see them sitting down and actually discussing how they want the page and each of them bringing aspects of that to it. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's very, very strong collaboration between them two. Yeah. Well, and even like the, the double page spread with all the, like the small, like, like box panels, um, Mm -hmm. like doesn't have any words on it hardly at all, except until you get to the bottom. Um, like I can just imagine that like Taylor wrote in like the script, just like, Spider-Man and Spider-Bite fight the Sinister 60 mm-hmm. go nuts and like like Cabal just like turns out this like very sort of like compressed um like it's like it's like watching like 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 movie film or whatever or like like a strip of like film as it's movie film it. movie film film is that that's probably a a a, a not necessary <laughs> whatever no but yeah I know you're, what I'm totally meant. right um, I like the thing that I really liked about that panel or that double page spread is that the page before it was, uh, it was a big double page spread also, but it was all one big image. It was a pretty detailed image, but it was still one yeah. big thing. And then when you get to the next page, it's a whole bunch of very, very tiny beats happening. And those two, I think really balance each other out and they set each other up very well. Like just the fact yeah. that they're next to each other. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I totally and agree. then even, even in like smaller moments, like the page, when you see, uh, he, he's saying, uh, I think that's enough adventure basically telling the kid like, okay, it's time to, to stop. Um, the perspective of that panel is really cool and different. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The the way that they're sitting on top of this thing and you really get the feeling that it's a small room and that they're just making the best of the small space that they have and yet you can see everything very well, but it doesn't feel crowded. That's just great composition there. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. I, yeah, yeah. And, like, all those people there just, like, sell. Um, they're, like, yeah, it's, like, the hospital staff and his parents that are... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little details go. of the, the makeshift costumes that they all have on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's a really great issue. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tom Taylor. This is one that I will not, Marie Kondo... Yeah, yeah, we'll keep it for forever and ever and ever. Um, till I die. Uh, all right. So, uh, last but not least, um, I was laughing really hard when you said that. I was on mute though. 
Good. <laughs> Just so good, you know. Good. Good. I hope somebody would laugh at my jokes. That's really all I want. If I could, if somebody would just laugh at my jokes in life, everything else would be fine. Um, if only everybody wasn't on mute all the time. Yeah, jerks. Anyway, um, so last but not least, um, I think I think it ended in April uh, and not in May. Um, and in fact, I know that that's true because the end of the issue says Portland, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the uh, the sh- episode of Make My Multiversity for the month of April, May. So, yes, right. April, May is a month. Um, so, uh, closing out uh, our episode today, we're going to be talking about the last issue of West Coast Avengers, West Coast Avengers number ten, written by Kelly Thompson, illustrated by Moy R, an artist that I had never heard of until um, this issue. Yeah, I've been following uh, him on Instagram for like two years, and oh, I, okay. I was really surprised to see him pop up here. Mm-hmm. I think this is their first Marvel work. Um, yeah. So, I, is it okay? Is this a different person from Ricardo Moy, whose name I think I have seen before? I'm not sure. I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay. Um, maybe, or maybe not. I don't know. Um. And that, like, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Um, so, illustrated by Moy R, colored by Trina Farrell. Um, this is the last issue of a book that, uh, when we talked about our end-of-the-year stuff, um, the three of us, it was a book that was high on some of our lists, a book that we really enjoyed. We reviewed the first issue. Um, and and in my like in my mind, it's it's gone too soon. It's a book that I've really, really enjoyed, and I am sad to see it ending. Um, but Nick, we'll we'll start with you. What did you think about this this tenth issue of of West Coast Adventures of this iteration of West Coast Adventures? Uh, so going back a little, uh, when we talked about the first issue when it first came out, I I loved it. I think we were all in agreement that we all loved it. And then as it went on, like the next few issues, uh, basically I dropped it, not because I wasn't loving it, but because I wasn't loving reading it monthly and uh so i had read the first five issues and then today uh because i knew we were talking about the last one i read issues six through ten which is the rest of the series and i think the series read much better that way and uh it makes me think about like trade waiting because this is only the second trade and yet the book is canceled already and that's sad and it's a book that i feel reads better in trade so um i'm not sure (laughs) i guess the point i'm trying to make is i don't like that books get canceled so quickly before they have a chance to find an audience in every possible place yeah yeah i oh no no i okay um i think that that's like that's, that's absolutely right um and I think too, like, I don't know. Like, I think that this was, I think that this is a book much like, like much like Unstoppable Lost. Like I think that with like, with these 10, 10 issues out, like it's gonna, this will be a good fun, like they'll put it out in two trades and then they'll combine it in one, they'll publish it and maybe it'll come back and maybe it won't. Um, but like, this is like a good case study. And I don't know, like, like, I think that you're right. Like I, read the first few issues and like the middling issues um, like read in chunks. Cause it was like, Oh, you know, it's kind of like repeating itself or whatever. Um, 
but like the like the ongoing arc and stuff was good it was just like there were like a lot more jokes and sort of like fun things going on like issue to issue that like it read a lot better sort of like in big chunks like I, and i absolutely think that that's true and i'm really sad that this book got canceled after only two trade paperbacks because i would imagine that they're um like is an audience i mean absolutely an audience for books like this um and like absolutely like an i can audience and like other like for the trades of books like this um i don't know i just love this book a lot and i think that this is a great final issue but yeah i'm i interrupt you so continue where you were no it's cool um yeah, as a final issue, it works better to uh, end the arc. And it's very clear that this is not where Kelly Thompson wanted the whole series to end. It ends as if this is the end of like a pilot episode. That's genuinely what it feels like. It feels like the first 10 issues were a pilot. And then yeah. there yeah. should be a whole lot more after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Because, yeah, because like the last panel is just like, kate saying like oh we're canceled and then like the the end like cuts off her like final statement or whatever mm-hmm. um and it's true yeah and yeah. like there's because there's all this stuff like like that could have happened like with the story of like kate's like parents that i guess is like carrying over to from stuff that kelly thompson did in hawkeye which i still haven't read but i would imagine that that's carry over from there in, in a lot of ways and there's all those things and like all these like relationships that are like like burgeoning and um yeah 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 and like not just relationships burgeoning but also characters being reintroduced and reinterpreted those are things that you do at the beginning of a series because you're setting things up for later and because you want to use them more now it it felt like okay there everybody's at a good beginning point and now it's over and i don't know i'm sort of just complaining about the fact that it's (laughs) done i think before it's time but even so the the story was good uh it was more just the end of this three issue arc um yeah the it, it was just typical fun not particularly uh eventful or rather not particularly uh like earth shattering story, but it's the type of just standard issue of a mid range comic, a superhero comic, uh, that is enjoyable and that's good. Uh, what do you think, Kevin? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like it probably, it probably serves better as the end of, of, of this arc. Um, although I do think that all the like, uh, outtakes or interviews or whatever at the end kind of serve as fun like they could be like a lot of the ending stuff could be read both ways it's like it's the end of this arc and like could have set up a lot more stuff and it's also like it's the end of the series and it knows it's the end of the series and so it has to like make a lot of jokes and quips and sort of like tease but like not tease i guess like all the stuff about um like fuse and um like novar like thinking like that they're hot and then like kate saying like have i dated anybody straight and everybody like joking and said like no like of course you haven't um like i just i don't know like i thought it was all really fun and like and like america and like ramon's like relationship and stuff like 
kicking off and, and Quentin and, and Gwenpool's relationship. I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's like a great, I think it's a great ending of this arc. I think it's like great in Kelly Thompson fashion, sort of like quippy and fun and queer and, um, and all that. And I just wish it, I just wish it stuck around. Yeah. That's really, that's really it. But I know that like Thompson's probably got other, other fun stuff in the bag or in the bank or whatever um, going forward. And I'm excited for those things too. Yeah. You can tell, I think from the, uh, the, the, what's called the letter in the back of the issue from Kelly Thompson. uh, You can tell that she wanted to do more with it. Number one. And number two, you can tell uh, (laughs) when I said two, I am actually lifting up my fingers. And when I said two, I lifted up three for some reason. Um, Number two, Kelly Thompson in her letter, it was clear that she wanted uh, or it was clear that the book ended because it wasn't selling the, the numbers that Marvel wanted it to sell. Um, yeah. So that that's unfortunate. But I also think that the series probably would have ended at some point soon, if not had a major shakeup, because of the Hawkeye series that is coming to uh, Disney+. And I think because of that, they're going to want to relaunch a Hawkeye book pretty soon uh, that focuses on Clint and Kate. Oh, huh. I didn't think about that. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just wondering because like we've had a lot of sort of like ancillary Avengers books in the last few years that have not sold well and have been shortened like this book and like, like Great Lakes Avengers and um, like the like US Avengers and like Al Ewing's like new Avengers stuff and like that whole realm of avengers things where it's like if it doesn't just like say regular avengers on it then like it kind of has a hard like kind of has like a hard sell and i just like was wondering as you were like saying all this stuff because it does like definitely seem like uh kelly thompson says that the book is being canceled because it didn't sell super well um like if the book would have oh my god and i just even noticed that there's like a dinosaur outside the window on the like last page yeah um, that was from the the first arc i didn't even yeah i didn't even notice that until oh right oh right right, 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 right. it's the yeah, yeah yeah um uh like i wonder if this book would have sold differently or 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 well or not well if it had been titled something besides west coast avengers um but maybe maybe not and maybe like the fact that they are like doing a lot more like serious stuff with the avengers now means that they don't need books like this on the side. Um, and I think too, like uh, this book will live on a little bit. Cause I know that these characters are going to appear um, in superior Spider-Man and it's like what, and it's war of the realms tie in and like may go on to appear more in that book. Cause, cause Doc Ock is um, in LA doing things. Um, but I would love this book to continue in some form or fashion. Like I would love to pick up, where these people are where like all these characters are leaving off Mm -hmm. and i think i can't imagine the series just completely being over because they're they still exist they haven't broken up and yeah i i I imagine that at some point there's going to be a one shot or something like that maybe from kelly thompson maybe not but i think this team is going to show up again in some form 
Yeah, I hope so. But that is a I, that is a really good thought. Like I think that, and now that you've said it, it's um, now that you've said it, it's true. But that's not what I meant. Now that you've said it, like I think that it makes a lot of sense that like they will want to do um, a Hawkeye thing very very soon uh, with all these characters, or like with I mean with Kate and Clint, and they won't want it to be connected to all these characters because. Uh, because that show's not going to be connected to all these characters. Not to say that they couldn't be connected to these characters in some way, but like that that series would mm-hmm. help to 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 tie into that. Um, well, we, and it kind of makes. It, well, go ahead. We did talk last time about how the uh, the wow, my brain just completely emptied itself. <laughs> the Disney Plus shows uh, could be putting together like characters from young avengers for a future young avengers thing and oh, yeah who knows maybe they'll use some of these characters yeah they would have to reference this in some way um i don't know it's gone too soon i'm sad that it's ending but i'm glad that it was here it was a great book and i'm excited for more kelly thompson ness mm-hmm. at marvel um, um especially especially with all but like one of her books ending kind of like Captain Marvel is like the only thing I think that she's kind of got going right now mm-hmm. at Marvel that like, it doesn't have an end date on it. Uh, are you not, are you, but how did you feel about the art? Um, I think it, uh, I think it's like similar to what like the art style of this book has been. I think um, like, I think the Caselli was like the best artist on this book. And I think like when Gang uh, Lim did the uh, those like issues in the first like the end of the last arc and the first part of this arc, uh, like that those two were definitely the best. Um, but I think like Moyar does like a fine job kind of closing things out. But like some of his faces seem like really sort of like young and more like anime ish in a way that like really doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. I guess like doesn't sell. I guess like sort of like the full range of what's going on in some ways. But I think that like Triana Farrell is a great colorist and makes up for like some of that. Yeah, um, it's it's very anime manga in a lot of places, and yeah, it also I think fits in very well with the other two issues of this arc. I forget who is doing the art on those, but Gang uh, Gang Hyuk Lim did the did those ones. Who was it? Gang Gang Hyuk Lim. Okay, yeah. So their art had a similar flavor and all of them, including the, whoever did the either two or three issues before that, um, they all Danielle, have Danielle, Danielle Nicola, her. Did. Yeah. I think all of those are of the same like school. And yeah. I think they all sort of, especially, uh, Danielle DiNicola, Di Nicolo, Di Nicolo, um, Di Nicolo, don't know. Uh, but hers especially went back and felt very similar to Annie Wu back in Kate's first solo stories in the Matt Fraction Hawkeye. And so mm-hmm. I think having that artistic lineage and like be very present, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes, I think that makes sense. I think that Jeff looks the best that Jeff has ever looked. And this is Jeff. Jeff. Oh, this is the Jeff that you were talking about before. 
Yes, this is the Jeff, the Jeff, mm-hmm. Jeff the shark, Jeff the shark. What is it that what is it that that Gwen sings? I gotta find um, the song that she sings about her and Jeff. Um, yeah, I don't know, but because uh, it's to the it's to the the Spider Man tune. Oh, I totally um, missed that. <laughs> oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, I, uh, I I read that and I thought it was funny, but I missed that it was to the Spider Man tune. Um. Is it shit? Uh, Gwen and Jeff, Jeff and Gwen, saving the day as best they can. And then he eats some vampires. <laughs> he finally got to that had been built up in the prior issues, where like yeah. someday he's gonna bite somebody. Yeah, <laughs> and then he does it. It's fine. And then he eats some lobsters, um, and it's good. Or you shrimps, we'll or whatever. See, uh, shrimp. You think we'll ever see Jeff again? I freaking hope so. <laughs> Uh, save Jeff. Um, oh, good times. All right. Well, folks, that is the end of our April, May episode. We'll be back next month to talk more Marvel comics. Jess will be back. We promise. Or we don't promise. I don't know, but she'll probably be back. Uh, uh, looking ahead to next month, uh, War of the Realms will will wrap up its its sixth issue, and then it'll have an Omega issue in July. Uh, Black Cats, uh, that new series, will start. Uh, Donny Cates and Tread Moore's Silver Surfer book will begin. Uh, Tony Easy Coates will close out his first year of Captain America. Evaders closes out its first arc. Um, there's a fun Spider-Man annual uh, about Spider-Pig. Mr. and Mrs. X finishes its um or like is uh, finishes up it's canceled and then um a bunch of other stuff before the entire x-men line is canceled in july to make way for the hickman thanks and we move on to what is happening this summer at marvel um until then you can find all of us on twitter and at multiversitycomics.com you can find jess at jess cam nj on twitter she's got a lot of fun pictures about getting married recently so you can congratulate her uh, you can find me at KBGregory13. And then, Nick, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at NPaulMaryWrites. Awesome. Well, folks, we'll be back in June uh, to talk more books, talk more news. And until then, make yours Marvel or not. Read some stuff. Tell us some things. Multiversity. All that. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Have a good night. Um so on and so forth. Uh, scoop a doop a doop a doop. Yep. Okay. Cool. Bye.